What's going on, guys? This is Zoom Disputed Football. I'm Evan here. We're going to be talking about the NFL as week seven kicks off in a couple of days. First story, it was announced earlier today that Tua Tagovailoa will be the Dolphins starting quarterback moving forward. I feel like this is pretty inevitable. We all saw this coming. Everyone in the Dolphins organization saw it coming. Even Ryan Fitzpatrick saw it coming. I would say in a normal year, Tua may even play before this, but because of everything that limited what he could do in the offseason, the Dolphins did want to be careful, especially with him coming off a significant injury. But now he has, now they gave him the keys and there's really no going back here. And I would also, I would throw in that rookie quarterbacks, it is no longer acceptable for them to be bad. We saw Dwayne Haskins was given a handful of starts. Now the, the Washington football team moved on from them. We saw the same thing with Josh Rosen and the Cardinals. As a rookie quarterback, you don't necessarily have to be great early, but there is much more expected from you early. You're supposed to show those flashes, show what you can do. And if you don't, teams will move on. They have short leashes. And I think especially with what this rookie class has done, I think it has put a lot of pressure on Tua because of how well Burrow is playing. I think specifically Herbert, because Herbert was taken after Tua and was ranked lower than Tua on pretty much every board. I think there's going to be pressure on Tua to play really well. And I know that's not really fair to him, but it is something where you are going to be compared to quarterbacks from your class. And I think that's been one of the things that's kind of screwed uh, Mitchell Trubisky over in these past few years is that he has not been awful. He hasn't been very good, but it's been when you're in the same class as Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, you're going to look really bad. Most people's numbers look bad compared to them. And I think most rookies numbers would look very bad compared to Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And I think two is a good quarterback. I, the situation, I don't believe it's as bad as I initially anticipated. I really do like Flores as a coach. Flores won me over last season when he had a completely undermanned team. They were not very talented, but they were able to win games because they bought into what Flores was doing. And I think being able to beat New England when New England was playing for a bye in week 17, that goes to show how good of a coach this guy is. And that roster was not very talented. And so I think there is, I think having a good coach is a huge part of it. I think that can destroy rookie quarterbacks if you don't have a good coach. I still don't think the Dolphins roster is great, but they do have some guys. There is some talent there. I do think they're still a couple of years away from having everything that they need. But regardless, we just really, with Tua, it's not about seeing the greatness all at once. It's just about kind of showing those flashes and the Dolphins to see enough to feel comfortable going forward with him as the quarterback. I do want to point out, I think Tua is a much better, uh, much better as a prospect than Dwayne Haskins or Josh Rosen ever were. But I just want to point out that we have seen quarterbacks where if you play and you don't play very well, teams will move on from you quick. This league no longer really has the patience where we wait for these guys for two to three years, especially when they're early first round picks. As we move from a former Heisman finalist to a former Heisman winner, Baker Mayfield and the Browns got destroyed by the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend. And I'm not going to go too much into the game itself because I think it's pretty straightforward. The Steelers killed the Browns. So I'm going to talk a little bit about something else, which may have to do with a little bit with Baker Mayfield's performance. And Part of the reason why I blame the Browns for this, I don't understand why people don't get that there is a huge difference between being able to play through an injury and being able to play through an injury well. Because we've seen the difference the last couple of weeks. Two teams have messed up this, this idea, and it's been the Browns with Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers, and both teams got blown out as a result. Just because a player gets cleared, it does not mean that they are cleared to play as well as they were before. All it means is that they can technically play. But when a quarterback is that limited by injury, all you're doing by pulling them out there is giving them a better chance of re-aggravating their injury or worsening it because it is not fully healed. And on top of this, you're just going to drive down their confidence and you're going to get people in the media talking negatively about them. I don't understand the idea that because I get it, starting quarterbacks are better than backups. But your starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield at 50%, is not better than your starting quarterback at 100%. And this is not, so this is not a new development because he was injured all week. They saw him practicing. It took three to four throws 
to see, yeah, Baker does not look right. Same thing with Garoppolo. Garoppolo was not planting with his ankle when he was playing the Dolphins. This was seen pretty early. This was this is not new. Those injuries were not new. These were things that were going on during the week, but the teams decided to play them anyway. But we do need to start to see that sometimes you're better just putting in your backup. And putting in Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield was set up to fail this past Sunday. And I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I didn't think he should be the number one pick when he was picked. I still don't believe that. And I don't even know if he's that good. But last week, he was set up to fail. He was playing a great team in the Steelers, and he wanted to play. But it's the Browns' job to look at him in practice and understand this guy was injured because he hurt his ribs, and that is a serious injury, and that can be very painful, and that can really affect how you throw. But they played him anyway, and he played very, very poorly as a result. Now, is it fair to say all this was because of the injury? Well, since Baker hasn't played very well this year, it's hard to say. But I think in that situation, just based off of how he was throwing the football, it looked to me more like he was injured than he just wasn't playing very well. Certainly with Jimmy Garoppolo, with how he planted on his ankle, that one was very frustrating because this, that was something that was obviously happening all week because he was injured before then. I don't think that he just started doing that in the game. And so the Niners, both quarterbacks got benched, which is so they could have, if both teams would have just started off the games playing their backups because their quarterbacks were so limited by injuries that they weren't better than their backups. I think it would have done a lot to really, it would just help put the team in a better place. And I think it would help their quarterbacks heal as well as their self-esteem and all of that. I still think the, Brown, the Browns get shelled regardless of if they played with Case Keenum, but Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield yesterday, Baker Mayfield, sorry, this is Tuesday. Baker Mayfield Sunday was not better. was not better than what Case Keenum would have been. Then as we move forward Monday night, that was last night. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. The Dallas Cowboys took on the Arizona Cardinals and it was just bad. There, there's not really much else to say when we're talking about that game itself. It was just ugly. Andy Dalton is a really good backup. He's a high-end backup. He's not a high-end starter. He is a below-average starter. And he does have some weapons, but he is not equipped to play from behind like that. And we're hearing more and more reports about the Dallas Cowboys players coming out and not really being behind this coaching staff. And I think this is a really interesting concept because last season, when things go wrong, we need someone to blame. Last season, the Dallas Cowboys season went wrong. And they weren't terrible, but they underperformed. That was way too talented of a roster to go eight and eight. And they needed someone to blame. And they decided to blame Jason Garrett. But I wondered this question back then, and I ask this question now. Was he really the right scapegoat, or was he the convenient scapegoat? It's very easy to blame a head coach when things go wrong, but I think we're starting to see now, Jason Garrett was not everything that was wrong with Dallas. Jason Garrett was an okay coach. He wasn't great, but he also wasn't terrible. He was fine. He had limitations, but he was good. He was a solid coach. They won games with him. They made the playoffs with him. They want a playoff game or two with him. He just wasn't great. But I wasn't necessarily against firing Jason Garrett. I didn't find that to be an atrocity. But what did bother me is you blame Jason Garrett, you fire him, and then you hire uh, Mike McCarthy, who is a coach with very similar limitations. He's not an awful head coach, but he's not a great one. I mean, look what happened in Green Bay. Green Bay fired him, and they're doing way better now. He's not a great coach either. The whole point of getting rid of Jason Garrett was because he's not a great head coach but you replace him with another guy who we also know is not a great coach. They didn't like Jason Garrett because he was safe. We've, we've seen him for a decade in Dallas. We just know he's not great. We've just seen McCarthy as a head coach for years. He's not great. And it was that hiring that they thought would make everything go away. But we're seeing a lot of the problems, and a lot of the problems are even worse now. 
And Dallas has put themselves in a little bit of a mess for, because now you have, you've got this new coach, which you convinced everyone was the problem. And all the problems were still there. Even when Dak Prescott was healthy, I think Dak Prescott's injury has distracted people a little bit. But when Dak was there, they still weren't able to win games because the defense wasn't very good. They're still having, the team just doesn't look disciplined. They don't look motivated. They don't look well coached. And there is still talent there. And maybe the team isn't as talented as we initially thought. Certainly with Dak going off that, going down for the year, that hurts, their, that hurt, certainly hurts the team. Andy Dalton's not as talented as Dak. But that team is not that bad, even with Andy Dalton. And we keep seeing it. And now the Cowboys are in a little bit of a jam. And you don't know exactly what to do because they still have to pay guys. They still need to go find – they probably need to go find a new coach because you already have your guys. It's this – we're still early in the season, and this is his first year. This isn't year six or seven with the Cowboys. We are entering week seven, and the Cowboys have already started to give up on what Mike McCarthy is giving them. That's not a good sign. It really isn't. And the sad part is they could still easily win the East. But this is not going to be a team – that's like, well, they can make the playoffs even if as a, with, as a low seed with a bad record and win a game or two. This team is such a mess. They are so dysfunctional, and they are just fortunate that they are in a division with other teams with lots of dysfunction and are a mess as well. On a, on a much more positive note, Tampa Bay Buccaneers look great this weekend being the Green Bay Packers. We really have seen the two, shade, you know, the two sides of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can be. We saw them against the Bears, which were talented, but a little bit, you know, sloppy, a lot of penalties, not well disciplined. You know, a lot of things went wrong that game. And then we saw where they could be when everything went right and they looked great. And they beat who, through four games, the Green Bay Packers were probably the best team in all football. And the Buccaneers put a beating on them. They made Aaron Rodgers look really I mean, bad, to be honest. And I think some of it was Rodgers just missed throws he usually made, but they made Rodgers uncomfortable. And they got up on them early, and they capitalized on the Packers' mistakes, and they dominated that game from start to finish. The Buccaneers are an incredibly talented team, and that's why Tom Brady went there. Now, it's just about putting that talent together and having it be there consistently because, you know, I don't feel like it's just like how it's not fair to take what the Buccaneers were against the Bears and say, that's who this team is. I don't think it's fair to take what the Buccaneer, how the Buccaneers played against the Packers and say, that's not 100% who this team is. I think they're in between the two, which is they are a talented team, but they're still, they're still relatively inexperienced in big games outside of Brady. And they still have a lot of areas where they need to clean up. I think this is a team that is more affected by COVID. I think a lot of teams, I, I think there are certain teams, but that are affected by COVID more than others, but especially the teams who are making transitions at the quarterback position, it's not going to be overnight, but we're starting to see, we're starting to see flashes of it, and it's just for the Buccaneers getting this consistently enough that they, they're ready for the playoffs and they can play at this level in the postseason, which is really what matters. I still think they can win this division. I don't think the Saints are great. I don't think the Saints are bad either, but I think that's a, they have a winnable division, and we kind of saw that's what the team can be. And it's just about just replicating that process. They have a very talented defense. They have a great defensive coordinator. I really like their head coach. They have a really talented offense. Talent doesn't always translate into wins, but I think in the future, I think down the stretch, that will be the case for the Buccaneers. Now, as we talk, as we move, uh, talking about Tom Brady, we move back to his old location in New England. Patriots are struggling a little bit, starting near two and three, below 500 for the first time in a very long time. And I think it's important to t- start talking about, we talked about how great Belichick was for Brady. And that's completely right. Belichick and his system in New England was perfect for what Tom Brady was. 
But that was a, definitely a mutual relationship. And I think people downplayed how much Brady fit that system because we saw Matt Castle play pretty well. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo play pretty well in that system. But the two things that Brady brought to that team, he, he brought consistency and he brought his, he was a smart player. He had high IQ and consistency. Those were two huge things for Bill Belichick, the discipline, the intelligence. And then you also put in how he always showed up and he would give, you knew what you were getting with him. Cam Newton is kind of the opposite of Brady. He's incredibly talented, but he's not always disciplined. He'll make some, he has a lot of turnover worthy plays and he's, you just don't know when he's going to show up. He'll have incredible games. He'll have incredible moments. And that's kind of been the story of Cam Newton's career with the exception of his MVP season. He has never been able to really put it together for a full year for weeks at a time. He'll have great games. He'll have games like he had against Seattle where he looked incredible, but he'll have games like he had last week where he looked bad. And that's kind of what worries me about this team. And I understand not many people have not made much money betting against Bill Belichick over the last 20 years, but this, this really is different because they don't have Tom Brady there and they also don't have the weapons there. They have a really good defense and they have a great coach, but their quarterback, I don't know how much you can coach a guy into being consistent because Cam just hasn't been that consistent. I've talked about with Nick Foles how we have nine seasons of this guy and we want him to be the guy who he was for one regular season and two playoffs games. Well, Cam Newton's a much better player than Nick Foles, but there's similar territory in the sense where we've seen Cam as a quarterback and we've seen him be inconsistent. He's been consistently inconsistent. We have one year where he was great throughout the entire season. We, it's not fair to take that one season and expect him to put, put that into play in New England. And we're seeing that Brady was perfect there. And I think we're really going to see that, that Belichick needs the right guy. I don't think this is the end of the road for New England. I think Belichick's a great coach. I think he could get another quarterback. And I don't even know Cam could even be the answer long term. But we're going to see this season that it isn't that easy. You can't just plug and play anyone. You need to get the right guy and you need to get him to play the right way. So I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's done, a done deal that New England's done in the uh, done for making the playoffs. I think they're a really difficult matchup for Kansas City because of how Belichick coaches. I think he can outcoach guys. I think he can coach this team up to being a potential playoff team. But we're already starting to see how much Brady elevated that team and how much they needed him. And especially with the lack of offensive weapons around Cam, I think Cam can be more of a weapon than Brady because Cam can be a weapon in two ways in the passing game and the running game. But it's a matter of if he doesn't show up in the passing game, how effective is he as a runner? Because teams will stop respecting him as a passer, which makes it easier to stop him as a runner. And I'm the kind of the concern with Cam, we had, he's had one great game, but every other game besides that, he's kind of just, he's looked pretty unimpressive. So I do think it is still a change. Like I talked about with the Buccaneers, teams who are switching quarterbacks, made quarterback changes this offseason, they will probably take them more time to adjust and fully get things where they needed to be than other teams. I think that's a similar thing that goes for the Patriots. I also think, considering the fact the Patriots had COVID, have had to miss pre several practices, I don't think that's helped Camp's transi transitioning. But I do still think there are concerns with the Patriots going forward.